Welcome to this edition of Rural Perspectives, brought to you by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. I'm Megan Overby for the Red River Farm Network. And joining this week's podcast is Katie Tangen, Market Education Specialist with Egg Country. Katie, thanks so much for taking time to talk. There's certainly a lot of ground to cover this week. Thank you for having me. You know, earlier this past week, which had been Tuesday, January 12th, USDA came out with their annual crop production summary report. And really, that is the report that we wait for, you know, well, all of January long, but it covers the 2020 (laughs) crop year. And Katie, I know there's a lot to dive into from that report, but let's start with some of the the high points or real takeaways that you gathered when you dove into that 125-page report. You're right. It's kind of the capstone to the 2020 crop year. So we, uh, the trade does put quite a bit of stock into what those numbers say. Now, ultimately, they may be adjusted here or there going forward, but this is kind of the final, this is our production number. Um, so for corn, and that was what really stuck out in a lot of people's head, they had uh, corn yield came in at 172 bushel. Trade was looking for 175. So right away we have you know three bushel an acre less on the 91 million acres that were planted. So it took a big chunk of production out, you know, fairly quickly. Um, you know, and when we look at big picture and you rewind to July or August, specifically I think July, we were looking at 182 bushel crop on 96 million planted acres. So over the course of the crop year, we have steadily worked that crop uh, lower and lower and lower. And at the same time, we've had usage continue to march higher. So we've ended up with a balance sheet for corn that, you know, sheer bushel-wise doesn't look all that alarming. You think 1.5 billion bushel, that should be enough. But when you look at a stock-to-use ratio, um, we're just a little bit better than we were in 2012. So there is a pinch there now. That said, does that mean we are suddenly going to go straight to those you know, $7 corn levels. And I, I don't know that that's quite the case. There's some other differences um, this time around. One is the U.S. dollar is stronger. Um, two is, is the global corn supply, which is still a little bit of a question. But um, keep in mind that, the, yes, the U.S. stocks to use ratio is tight. The other last part that I think really needs to be brought up, and I haven't seen talked about in a ton of places, is that USDA also despite you know all this good news, they did back down corn usage just uh, a little. It wasn't a, a huge cut, um, you know, 250 million bushels, I think 100 out of ethanol, 100 out of exports, and 50 from feed. This is the first time we've seen that happen, so we are seeing demand start to be rationed lower. Is it enough? That I, I, I don't know if the market has determined that. But just be aware that we are starting to see some rationing demand at these prices. Um, And we also haven't seen, you know, cattle market or a hog market that's really offering any sort of livestock industry a a strong chance at profitability. So they're really feeling the pinch from these higher corn prices. Well, and two, not only do we get those numbers, you know, for the big three corn, soybeans, and wheat, but we also just dive into any and every crop that's growing across the U.S., a handful of those specialty crops that are growing up here 
in you know North Dakota we look at uh, you know in Minnesota we look at some of those stocks you know what production was last year that really gears us up for maybe some of the the acreage battles that we might see coming into the 2021 crop year anything that stuck out in, in some of those other specialty crop realms you know you're right and when we look at, at corn and soybeans that's obviously where the trade focuses a lot of their attention um, and I don't know that we've solved that by any means at this point. I think there's still a lot to come in that. But when you look at where the, the flex acres really are, it's on those fringes. It's North Dakota, it's parts of South Dakota, it's Kansas. So uh, that is going to be watched very closely. I think there's been a lot of talk about dry beans. Um, we don't typically get a ton of those contracts offered until you know mid-January, maybe end of January. I, I've seen a few bids, and they're not. Um, you know, they're semi-competitive, but I don't, I don't know that it's a price that's going to make a lot of driving growers up and say, wow, you know, I'm going to plant more acres. So uh, I think we, we do have to keep an eye on that, um, just sugar, because obviously there is so much of that for the Valley. Um, they did take a ton, an acre off of the beet production for North Dakota. They added a ton uh, to the Minnesota side net, though, total um, sugar production did come down compared to the previous month. That balance sheet is just a hair looser than it was last year. Um, some of those other crops, you know, barley coming in about what was expected. Um, flour is the same, same type of situation. But you're right, when we get really right down to it, with all the attention at corn and soybeans and really wheat that's, you know, coming along, um, there is going to be a battle for a lot of those contracted crops to try to keep some of those acres in play. Well, and, you know, we only have like a 10-minute podcast to talk about all this today, Katie. <laughs> but a good opportunity up and coming for farmers and ranchers to really dive into this market mentality is Egg Country's annual marketing day. That will be held virtually along with uh, the other plethora of events, you know, as we enter into 2021. So help me run through that agenda and what farmers can expect if they want to attend. Yeah, so uh, our annual marketing day typically is held in Fargo, obviously, because of, of the circumstances this year with, with COVID. We are holding it virtually, but very easy to attend. You can just go to our website at www.agcountry.com, and there's a link there to sign up. And so what is going to happen be very similar to what we ran in person. There's um, four speakers. There's actually five because one of them is going to be set up more like a panel, but Matt Roberts will be our first speaker. He spoke a few years ago. He's going to talk um, far more in depth about what the U.S. grain situation is right now um, and what the outlook may be after that. We're going to have Frayne Olson and Ed Usset um, from the University of Minnesota. They're going to each give their quick take, um, their take very quickly and then also have a panel where we're going to take questions from the audience on anything that they might um, be wondering about this year. And then in the afternoon, we're going to have Eric Snodgrass. He's a meteorologist um, from University of Illinois. And then to wrap up the day, we'll have Peter Zihan. And he's uh, kind of a global globalist. He's going to look at, at what's going on in politics, where policy might be headed, um, and how that impacts trade. 
Well, and too, while that's a one-time event, you have some reoccurring events that are happening all winter long from Egg Country. Tell us more about your winter forums. I know a couple have already took place, but there's still plenty in the future ahead. Yeah, there is. So we just had one, um, and then we're going to do them every other Wednesday. So that last week of January will be the next one. Um, They start at 9 in the morning, wrap up around 11.30, and that goes... um, a little bit more in-depth, we talk about uh, succession and retirement planning. We talk about um, markets, what's going on at, at that point in time. Again, going a little bit more in-depth. Talk about taxes, some things you might want to look at, and then crop insurance. So a little bit of everything in those. Um, we get more in-depth than obviously we can do in, in the short amount of time we have here. Um, and those are free. You just again go to the website at www com and sign up. And then some of those also will have, we'll have a little bit of a discussion about the farm bill sign up, which guys will need to take care of before um, March 15th. Well, and Katie, I'll ask you the same question that I ask you at the end of every Rural Perspectives podcast that you and I do. You know, any final reminders for farmers and ranchers out there? I know they've turned a new page, uh, you know, are hoping for maybe a, a little bit of a cleaner start to 2021. Any final reminders for those folks listening out there? Yeah, so we have, uh, you know, a totally different situation than what we had a year ago. And things have changed so fast. We have much higher prices. And when you get those dramatic moves higher, it is so easy to freeze and just think, well, it's going to keep going higher. Um, I'm not going to sell anything. And I don't know that that's necessarily the correct approach. What we have to do is look at, at what your costs are. We should be able to determine that you know, within the ballpark at this time anyway. Um, get some of those uh, targets picked out, whether it be for old crop that you haven't priced yet or new crop that you're putting in, and, and get those sales in. Because we can always keep working ahead. If the market keeps going up, that's great. We will just, you know, start working more on the 21. And if we happen to run out of 21, um, and obviously we don't want to go past our, our crop insurance guarantee, Uh, We can start working on on 22 and so on and so forth. That's the latest edition of Rural Perspectives, made possible by Egg Country Farm Credit Services. You can find out more by visiting eggcountry.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Megan Overby for the Red River Farm Network.